One kind act changed my life. In order to tell you about that, I have to tell you about UCLA Medical Center. It's the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. And uh, I was a chaplain there. And I worked in the emergency room overnight. Now, the emergency room at UCLA sees 45,000 people a year. I mean, it's huge. And a chaplain's job overnight after social workers go home is to uh, care for the people who come in to be with someone who's in the emergency room. So, you know, loved ones and friends and things like that, people like that. But also, uh, we're to care for them, but we're also to corral them. You might not know that about the social workers and chaplains at, at an emergency room, but just imagine people are distraught. People are uh, beside themselves, and sometimes people are violent, and, and even the nicest, most cooperative ones are going to get in the way if they try to get in and see someone, and so my job is to, to care for them, but also to corral them. And my shift was over at 7 a.m., at 6.50 a.m., uh, I get a call, and a high school senior has been surfing in Malibu uh, before school, and uh, the waves crashed him into the sand, and they were concerned about his neck. And he was being flown by helicopter to UCLA. And so within just a couple minutes, I was walking into the back door of the emergency room while he was being wheeled in through the side door, and his father was walking in the front door. He had gotten a call. His father was tall, taller than me, big man, and uh, he was a neck and spine surgeon. Wow. Uh, and he was beside himself. This is what he does for a living. This is who he is, and he can't help. He, he doesn't know. He, he's, he's livid, and he wants to see the x-rays because he knows what they will show. And uh, I'm standing with him, and, and, and he's trying to get past me, and I'm trying to care for him. I'm, I, I'm, I, can I pray for you? Can, uh, tell me about your wife. Tell me about your son. He's having none of it. He just wants the x-rays, and I, I know I can't get him the x-rays, so I don't even know that they've taken the x-rays yet, but I, I'm corralling him, and so I leave the room and kind of walk around and, you know, see if I can find someone who might know something about the x-rays, but really there's no one there bothering with that, and so I finally come back into the room, and, and, uh, and I, I try to pray with him, and, and, and he says, Finally, he almost grabs me by the lapels. But he, he says, can you get me the x-rays? And almost sheepishly, I said, I'm sorry, I can't. And then he put his finger in my face and he said, then what good are you? And he walked past me to some nurse or something. Well, I will tell you, that's an existential question that I was wrestling with as a chaplain because, uh, I mean, he couldn't have put a finer point on my issue because in a hospital, what do people want from God? They want healing. If God's not going to heal me, I don't really have time for him right now. And my job is to bring God into the room. And I, I was wrestling with this question. If I can't heal people, what good am I? And boy, he nailed it. And that was on Monday morning. By Friday, things had gotten really bad. Bad week. 
I was wrestling with all of it. Never saw he or his son again during that week. Um, but by the end, by Friday afternoon, I'd, made my, I'd answered my own question. No good at all. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was not coming back on Monday morning. I was going to quit the program. And uh, that meant I couldn't graduate from seminary. I couldn't be ordained. Uh, my whole life was going to change. I didn't know what I was going to tell my wife, but I was not coming back. Now at UCLA, uh, there are very long hallways, and you walk and you walk and you walk and you walk by hundreds of people, but when you turn one particular corner, it's heading for the parking lot, and once you make that turn, you don't see anybody else. That, that's it. And so I, I went to make that turn, and somebody came and turned the opposite direction, and I ran right into his chest because it was that father. I literally ran into him, and I backed off, and I looked up at him, and with surprise and now shock and fear, I, I saw the same man, and he looked down at me, and his eyes were red from crying, and we just stared at each other, and recognition showed up in his eyes. He remembered who I was, and with the last ounce of anything I had, I said, we are all praying for you and your son. And then he looked at me and he said, that's all any of us can do right now. And then he took me in his arms like a bear and just squeezed me. And we both started to cry. And not only did I hear his words in my ears, but I heard God's as well. God said to me in that moment, this is what good you are. You are my arms to hug those that I would hug. You are the one who sheds the tears that I would shed. And it changed my life. I'm here today because that man offered me an act of kindness when he could have done something else. He offered me grace. He, he made the choice to respond in that positive way. One kind act can change a life. Anything that I have, that I've done, that I've influenced, I can point back to him and say thank you. Whose lives are we changing with our acts of kindness? We're talking about kindness because it's one of the character traits of Jesus. It's, it's an exciting one. It's one that we want to have. Uh, we don't have to be like Jesus. We get to be like Jesus. Wouldn't we all like to be that kind of kind and so we take a look at our text from the book of Galatians. Uh, we've been reading it each week. I love the story from the message because it gives us new language. Um, so take a look at Galatians uh, chapter 5. And it says this, But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Doesn't that sound like something we'd like? Wow, I'd like to have that kind of a life. We can. It's offered to us. We're invited into that kind of life. 
And kindness is one of those things. And we all know what kindness looks like and what it doesn't look like, what it feels like when it's offered to us. But let's define it because, uh, you know, it gets mixed up with helpfulness and service, um, niceness. And so let's really focus in on kindness. And, and I've narrowed the description and the uh, definition down to this. Kindness is tender-hearted goodwill with thoughtful follow-through. For something to be an act of kindness, it needs to come from a place of tender-hearted goodwill inside us, but it also needs to have thoughtful follow-through. We actually need to do something. So it has both pieces. So imagine that uh, we're at the airport, and we're standing in line at security, right? And uh, we're trying to get through, and we're busy, and right behind us is a woman, uh, and she has her a bag over one arm and a diaper bag over the other and she's got a carry-on she's pulling and a child's hand in both hands she has two little kids with her and uh, they're being little kids and uh, you know lots of thoughts go through our minds um, one probably is I'm glad I'm in front of her and not behind her right so uh, we, we but our heart probably goes out to her any of us who've been in situations like that we we, we th- oh oh, I hope she does okay, you know, um, and, and I'm glad I'm not her. But, you know, it's, it, it, but, but, but there's that part of us that, what is, what is that? That's tender-hearted goodwill. And maybe we glance at her and we make eye contact and we go, like, you know, say, communicate something to her. Have we been kind? No. We've been tender-hearted. We've had goodwill toward her, uh, but not kind. So now we get through, they've checked our boarding pass, we go through the line and uh, we get to the place where they uh, have the, the, the plastic crates and the TSA officer directs us over here. She just points us to the shortest line. Hey, is that an act of kindness? No, <laughs> that she's doing her job. Her job is to be efficient, to move people quickly through. She has good follow through, but there's no tender-hearted goodwill uh, there. And so that's not an act of kindness. But behind us comes that mom and the two kids. And uh, you see them uh, come up behind us and you, you offer uh, to the mom, can I get that bag for you? And maybe you grab a couple other crates uh, for her. And uh, you reach down to untie your shoes and you see the littlest one, the little girl. She's kind of scared because her mom said, take off your shoes. And really, she doesn't know how much she has to take off. She's starting with her shoes. And, and you say, it's okay. It's just your shoes. And you take your shoes off and you say, here, look, it. you put them in a bin like this. You're going to get them back in a couple minutes. It's all going to be fine. What have you done? A wonderful act of kindness. That mom is going to tell stories about you, about how grateful she is for this person that made a difference to she and her kids. Because you had that tender-hearted goodwill and thoughtful follow-through. Kindness takes both. And we love it when we see it. By the way, who feels good in that moment? You do. She does. And every person in line who saw you do it. It's amazing. Kindness has that kind of contagious. It impacts not just the ones involved, but the ones who see it. It's a, it's a miraculous thing. We know uh, most of this instinctually. We can feel the difference between helpful and service and kindness. 
And it's especially important to followers of Jesus because it turns out that Jesus actually uh, cares deeply about kindness. It's very important to him. Uh, And so let me say uh, that that kindness is very important to Jesus. So listen to this story. Uh, It's kind of familiar to you, but I want you to listen uh, carefully, and particularly in light of our topic. Matthew 25, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance for the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whenever you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you are kind and have expressed unbelievable, infinite kindness towards us. We pray that we would learn from you. Holy Spirit, please speak through your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a description by Jesus of the end times. This is a judgment that's going to happen to all people. It is not a parable. Uh, There are two parables earlier in this chapter, and both of them begin by saying something like, the kingdom is like dot, dot, dot. Jesus does not say uh, the end of time will be like somebody sitting on his throne. No, he says this is what's going to happen. Uh, And so let me pause for a moment and uh, put a parenthesis around salvation. Because when it says the righteous will inherit the kingdom of God, and then it says, the part we didn't read, and the the wicked will be sent off into hell, wow, this sure, sure sounds like salvation. And we understand that salvation is by having faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. All that's true parenthesis, and so is this. And the great thing is that we can, we can believe and understand both. Somehow this fits into that. It doesn't change it, but it certainly um, uh, is interesting to see, it, to see that salvation message in light of this amazing description by Jesus of how we will be judged in the future. So this judgment is not limited to the Jewish people there. It's not limited to Jesus' followers. It says everyone, every nation. And uh, we get these familiar words that we're so used to, where it says, and we will, they will, he will separate them as, as you separate sheep from the goats, which is an interesting phrase, but most of us haven't seen or touched a sheep or goat for, I don't know, most, most of our lives, so it's not exactly relevant to us. But we kind of get the idea. Um, but let me, let me introduce you a little bit to sheep and goats. So this is a sheep. <laughs> I know. Aww. And this is a goat. 
Eh, not nearly so cute. And this is a sheep and a goat. Yeah, can you tell the difference? Yeah, well, you couldn't back then. Back then, sheep and goats, they look pretty much the same. See, for 2,000 years, we have bred the sheep for wool. And so they've gotten all woolly and soft and cuddly. Whereas goats, eh, just leave them alone. They probably look exactly the way they did back then. Um, and so back then, when you had sheep and goats in a corral together, you really couldn't tell them apart by looking at them, not nearly like we can today. How could you tell a sheep from a goat? Turns out it's by their actions. It's their behavior. Sheep, they're skittish. They're scaredy cats. They are afraid of everything. Everything can hurt them. So, uh, you know, they stay away from everything. Goats, they eat everything. They literally, I mean, you know, we say that, but it's true. You know, they'll eat the wood. They'll eat the, the leather. They'll chew on the barbed wire. It's, they're crazy. And so what they say is, is that shepherds, sheep herders, protect the environment from their sheep. Goat herders, uh, uh, I'm sorry, shepherds protect their sheep from the environment. And goat herders protect the environment from their goats. Uh, and so they're very different. So if you're going to say, hey, let's separate these sheep and goats. Well, how are we going to do that? Oh, just stand and watch them. It'll be obvious. So that's, the, that's what Jesus is saying is that um, we are going to judge every human being according to their behavior. And what behavior are we going to judge them by? Um, it, it, it's a wonderful list. So here, we'll put the list back up. And here's what I want you to take a look at. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. What's the first part? There's a need that we see and we develop tender-hearted goodwill and then we follow through by doing something. Right? So that's, take that equation and apply it to each one. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I needed something and you gave it to me. I was sick and you cared for me. I, I was in prison and you visited me. These are all acts of kindness. And Jesus says, I'm going to judge you based on whether or not you have been kind. Wow. That's, I just think that's amazing and interesting and uh, fascinating. It, yes, salvation includes so much more of knowledge of and, and faith in Christ. But we have to at least acknowledge that we need to have a significant respect for and appreciation for a need for acts of kindness. Um, so let me put in a word about love, because, you know, we will talk about love in a couple weeks, uh, but, but Christians, really, they talk about love, because Jesus said, love one another, love everyone, and, and so we, we say, well, shouldn't we be loving people? I say, yes, <laughs> go ahead, but I'm pretty sure you could start with kindness and work your way up. Love's a pretty high standard. Not to mention, I've talked with pastors and, and, and been at conferences, and I brought up kindness, and they kind of glaze over. And, and uh, I say, what? what? Why isn't this of interest to you? You say, well, you know, Jesus told us to love. If you were talking about love, you know, we'd probably listen more. Um, but what does love look like on a practical basis, day after day, um, 
in the church and as Christians out in the world, it's pretty obvious that in daily life, love looks like kindness. I mean, just show up at Pete's. You know, you go to Pete's and you stand in line and, and you, you know, you're this good Christian, you heard this sermon, and so you said, you know what, doggone it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love that person in front of me. Well, if you do it wrong, you go to jail. <laughs> if you do it right, it looks like an act of kindness. That's all we can do. That's all anybody would want us to do. Uh, and uh, besides whether we like it or not, Christians are being judged according to our kindness all the time. Non-Christians have a much higher standard of, of us for our kindness. I mean, aren't you supposed to be like Jesus? And wasn't he kind? And I, I, it, just, it just strikes me that Christian leaders aren't being all that kind. But that's been going on for a long time. Now we can just tweet and text about it more. But I think that we are called to be kind. Kindness matters. And uh, in the New Testament, there are two heavy hitters, Jesus and Paul. So if Jesus and Paul say the same thing, we should probably listen. We've already heard what Jesus says about kindness. Here's what Paul says about kindness. Be kind to each other. That's it. You don't even have to read the rest. The rest helps. But do the first part. You know what? I'll, give, I'll make it easy for you. Just do the first part. You get to tenderhearted and all the rest later. Be kind to each other. Let's do that. It doesn't get much clearer. But it's radical in this world. People love it when we do it. They feel it when we do, and they know it when we don't. Um, and we see this kind of thought and action in the life of Jesus. Jesus practiced inside and outside kindness. So uh, let's go back to our definition. Kindness is tender-hearted goodwill. That's inside kindness. And thoughtful follow-through. That's outside kindness. And Jesus practiced both. Uh, let's look at his inside kindness. Jesus cultivated inside kindness. He's kind all the time on the inside. So what does that mean? It means that he cared for others. He wept for Lazarus. And it says he had compassion on some. He had pity on others. Those are internal emotions. Um, and he cared deeply about the, all the people in Jerusalem. It says that he, he looked at Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, there, I have wanted to gather you up as a hen gathers her chicks and protects them. We, we want to, uh, he, he wanted to protect them all. Jesus' um, inside kindness was about how he thought about himself and others. So he cared for others. He had took pity on others. He wept for others. What about himself? He knew who he was. He knew his relationship with God. He knew, he'd heard God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He held on to that. I'm, I'm, I'm God's beloved son. He's well pleased with me. That's looking at ourselves, being kind to ourselves. He understood that he and God were intimately connected. He said, I and the Father are one. Wow. Hold on to that. And he demonstrated outside kindness as well. So this one seems obvious. I mean, he's healing people. He's feeding 5,000. He's doing things uh, all the time. Uh, uh, but in Matthew 8, we see just this amazing demonstration of kindness. He went above and beyond. He went further than he needed to. 
So take a look at this in Matthew 8. It says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. So what was Jesus' act of kindness? Well, you know, initially we might think, oh, well, I mean, clearly he healed the man of leprosy. Yes, that was a kind act. But what was his first kind act? It said that he touched the man. The lepers, they were untouchables. They were shunned. They were distanced. Nobody, nobody came around them. Nobody ever hugged them. Nobody ever touched them. And Jesus reached out and touched the man. He, he, it was as if he was saying, I see you. I recognize that you're human. You belong. There are all kinds of people in our society that are never touched, never made eye contact with, uh, never felt to belong. And, and Jesus acted kindly. He might have felt compassion, but what good is that if you don't also reach out and outside kindness? Jesus takes kindness seriously. So what about us? We can cultivate and practice inside and outside kindness ourselves. So we've defined it as tender-hearted goodwill with follow-through, thoughtful follow-through. And uh, we said we need those inner emotions of tender-hearted goodwill. And we need the follow-through. So without follow-through, tender-hearted uh, uh, tender goodwill is just positive emotions. It's just good intentions. Somebody said, good intentions without follow-through is useless. That famous person was my daughter. She, she, she was moving, and she wanted to go get a bottle of wine and some flowers to say goodbye to her neighbors uh, because they'd been friends. And uh, it, it was freezing cold, and she was on a uh, subway and a bus, and so she didn't get around to it. And then uh, they knocked on her door on the morning she was leaving, and they brought her a bottle of wine. And she's like, dang, I was supposed to do that. She said, my good intentions were useless without good follow-through. So, um, so we have inside and outside kindness, just like we described of Jesus, tender-hearted goodwill, follow-through. I call it hula-hoop kindness. Uh, I, somebody, you know, the, a very smart person said, uh, keep it simple, yeah, so I, I, I can do that. I can do that. So kindness is like a hula hoop. There's two kinds of kindness. You're ahead of me already. There's inside kindness, and there's outside kindness. Now, outside kindness is infinite. You can, it's everything. It's everything from buying groceries for the person behind you to building hospitals in third world countries. Uh, the Gates, they give away a billion dollars. That's, that's outside kindness. And inside kindness is, is our kindness towards ourselves, how we think about others and how we think about ourselves. Now, I, I just, I'm being generous because, you know, a, that's a circle too. It, how much inside kindness determines how much outside kindness we practice. See, some of us, I don't know about any of us in this room, but we can sure imagine there's people with very little inside kindness towards themselves or others. We see it all the time. And how much outside, the, in, the, the need for it is still infinite. There's just as much outside needed, but how much can you give when that's all you got? So inside and outside kindness. We need both. 
Inside kindness includes how we think and feel about ourselves and others. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. That's good. It's about what we think of ourselves and others. So um, here's a little test. What's the first thing we think of when we see someone who's not like us? Someone who's down and out. Someone who's up and out. Someone who's, you know, what, what, do we think of, what do we think of them? And what do we think about ourselves in relation to them? When we see somebody famous, are they great? And we're like, oh, I wish I was like them. I could never be like... What, where do we feel when we see someone else? That's about our inner kindness towards ourselves and towards others. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a chance to practice a little inside kindness. So um, in your, uh, the little box in front of you is a card. Uh, there are multiple cards, multicolored cards, if I can get mine out. Um, and they just look like that. They look like this. So here's what I want you to do. Hold on to that card. Don't do anything with it, but I just want you to hold on to it. And now here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about a person who has done an act of kindness for you. So it could be somebody who, uh, you know, my mom who raised me every day. Um, or it could be somebody who opened the door for me at Pete's or helped me with things at the TSA. I mean, it can be anything. But just think, think of someone who did a kind act for you that you remember, all right? Now, here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you share their name with the person next to you. Um, so if it's, you could say my mom, or you could say Bobby, or you could say the barista, uh, you know, something like that. But here's what you don't get to do. You don't get to have a sentence or paragraph explaining the kindness, just the name, okay? I'm going to give you two seconds to... Turn to one another and just share the name of someone who's been kind to you. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. Now take your card. Now take your card, and here's what I want you to think about. What was the kind act they did? What was it that they did that, that you remember so much that you can immediately share their name with somebody? What was the kind act? I want you to write the kind act down. All right? Now, not a long sentence, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've read some of these. Prayed for me, you know, met me in my point of need. So two or three words, all right? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it legibly and big enough that I can read some from up here, okay? So now you're going to have to start over again, I'm sure. <laughs> Turn it over, <laughs> okay? Two or three words. What was that act of kindness? All right, show them to me. Good. I can't read any of those, but that's okay. Hold on to it. <laughs> you did good. You did good. Hold on to that. Uh, and, and we're going to move on to outside kindness. Outside kindness results from our inner kindness. We've already seen that. Outer kindness is everything outside the hula hoop. Um, so I want us to prepare ourselves for outside kindness too. So, so you've thought about somebody. That's inner kindness towards them. You've thought about what their kindness was, and you wrote that down. Now I want you to think about someone you need to be kind to. Take out another piece of, another card, a separate card, and write down 
someone you need to be kind to. Now, as you're thinking about that name, and just before you write it down, I'm going to just remind you of this little thing I've said before. When I give you an exercise, don't think of the hardest person in the world to do this for. It could be somebody nice, somebody that you like, that you need to just send a text to or an email. In fact, if it's somebody that you could text or send an email to, you can be done with this homework exercise before you even leave. So what is, what is the name of someone that you need to be kind to? Just write their name down, or you could say the barista or the, uh, you know, the fireman or something. So, but not just any fireman, but a particular fireman. All right, you're going to write that down. Um, I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you bring those up uh, later in the service. But we've worked on inside and outside uh, kindness. So let me give you an example, uh, a practical example of them at work. So I was at Starbucks and uh, I'd gotten my coffee and I was walking for the door and I saw a woman coming towards the door as well. Now she had uh, one of those boxes of. Uh, coffee, right? So it, it holds four. She had five vente drinks, hot, cold, you know, and so she's balancing them with her purse on her shoulder and her briefcase on her other arm and these drinks in the middle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have got to help her. I, my inner kindness just took over, right? My inside kindness was like, oh, I should get the door for her. Wow, I need to help her. And I did. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> I got the door. Big deal. But, oh, you know, outside kindness. Outside kindness. So my inside kindness motivated my outside kindness. And I said, let me get that for you. And I did. And she walked out and she said, thanks. Act of kindness. Done. Check, check the box. That was great. Um, I followed her uh, only because my car was a couple cars past hers. And uh, I see her go to her SUV. Uh, she doesn't have a clicker. She has a key. So, she, so now she starts to hold this with this and this and reach for her keys and go like this. And, and I'm like, oh, I have got to help that poor woman. But I don't want to be creepy. So, you know, I, I stay on the sidewalk and I say, can I help you with that? And she looks at me and she looks at her keys and it, you know what's going through her head. If, I, if this guy helps me, I got to give him my keys, you know, or my purse, or my coffee, or my briefcase, and he's going to be standing next to me with an open SUV door, nobody else around. She's like, no, I got it. Yeah, okay, I, I could tell. Uh, and, but it was clear, you know, I couldn't help her at that point. We, we want to do more, right? We, we want to do more, but we, we can't. In a way, I, I could feel like I failed, like I didn't get a chance to be kinder when it would have been most helpful. But you know what? I was ready to. I was ready to help. I was ready to act kindly. Um, I was ready to be kind. My inside kindness prepared my outside kindness, and I was ready to do something. That's all we can do. That's all we can do is be ready. Sometimes God intervenes and gives us a chance to make a difference in someone's life. I probably didn't make a difference in that woman's life, but I was ready to. And that's, that's what we're working towards. So uh, we have uh, next steps for you to work on this week. Um, this week, repeat an inner exercise. Uh, for example, uh, remember somebody, what somebody said to you 
and just repeat it about yourself. Other people compliment us. We need to hold on to that. And, and you know, when people say, well, pastor, that, you, you did a great job. I need to say to myself, you know what? I can do a great job. I don't always do a great job, but I can do a great job. What, what do you say to yourself in the mirror? Um, and or, how about this one? Write this down. Zephaniah, you can just write Z-E-P, 317. Zephaniah 317. It's a fabulous text. I'm not going to tell you what it says. I want you to go find it yourself. And just do this. Replace the words you and your with me. And repeat it. Replace the word you and yours with me from Zephaniah. And, and it will be you hearing God speak to you. And here's something else you can do. You can do it right now if you like. It's a good exercise. Take a ring that comes off easily. And if it isn't a ring, you can take off your watch. And when you get up in the morning, put it on the other hand. Or uh, put it on a different finger. All right? Now, don't change it until you do an act of kindness for somebody. And when you take it off uh, and, and you move it back, you can say, good job. Good job. If it's still on the other finger and the other wrist when you get ready for bed, seriously, come on, work on this. It's not that hard, but, it, but it's not too late either. You can text somebody right then and say, hey, I was thinking about you and have a good night, have a good day tomorrow. Boom, off it goes and on to the other. You did it. I can't know. And I will make a difference in someone's life the way that father at UCLA made a difference in mine. All I know is one kind act can change a life. Let's be in the place where God can use us to make that act.